everyone. I'm Anita Farnbrook. Welcome back to my learning podcast, where I discuss topics about teaching and learning. Some are based in early childhood education. Others are rooted in post-secondary teaching and learning. No matter how old the student, I find there are endless topics to discuss and deconstruct. Some podcasts are my own ramblings, and others feature guest speakers. You may have found this podcast because you are an early childhood educator or maybe a college instructor. No matter who you are or why you're tuned in, I hope you will find this episode entertaining or maybe even thought-provoking. And remember the words of a celebrated colleague, teach less so they can learn more. In my last podcast, I introduced you to intrinsic motivation. Let me redefine intrinsic motivation for you with a statement by Ronald Grimes in 2011. He writes, intrinsic motivation represents the inner drive or passion people have to excel in a particular pursuit. Extrinsic motivation represents the drive to achieve external rewards, such as money or social status. Intrinsic motivation refers to motivation that is personally rewarding, while extrinsic motivation refers to motivation that stems from an individual's need to avoid punishment. I also introduced you to the three psychological needs as identified by Ryan and Desi in 2000 that promote intrinsic motivation, autonomy, competence, and well-being. I presented this theory in the light of post-secondary education, and today I would like to continue this examination of thoughts with the first psychological need, autonomy. The question I would like to try and answer is how is autonomy linked to student engagement, especially in higher education? In my research to find some answers that would link Ryan and Desi's work to classroom instruction and possibly influence how we construct our courses, I came across the work of Smith and Darvas. Smith and Darvas make a great case for linking the teaching of intrinsic motivation with higher order thinking skills, namely moving students through the stages of Bloom's taxonomy. If you belong to a group of skeptics who may question the usefulness of teaching autonomy to students, I would like to quote Smith and Darvas. Instructors in any modality, traditional, online, or hybrid, often find that instilling autonomy in students a challenge that some might even find is a fruitless endeavor. However, regardless of the outcome, Encouraging student autonomy is a worthy endeavor because it will enable students to think critically and take ownership of their work in all areas of life. You may ask, how exactly am I supposed to move students through the stages of Bloom's taxonomy? One example that is provided in the article suggests that the simple provision of very clear expectations of the course will aid students to move into higher thinking skills. Clear instructions around expectations provide students with clarity and a roadmap in how to proceed through an assignment. When instructors take out the guesswork, students can concentrate on the content creation of the assignment, trust themselves to problem solve and move into higher thinking skills. To quote the authors, contextualizing course material and scenarios relatable to students personal beliefs and experiences makes course material more accessible to the student and helps them remember the concepts taught. Instructors can teach students self-regulation and motivation in tandem with teaching them autonomy. 
In 2007, Wonderwell, Liang, and Alderman supported this belief by stating, learners need regular practice in assessment to become self-monitoring and independent. Online learners need to manage their learning through self and peer assessment, discovery learning, reflection, and articulation. Students need to take an active role in planning, monitoring, and then reflecting and evaluating not only the learning tasks, but the processes of learning itself. In order to examine how this could play out in an actual classroom setting, I asked my colleague Tyler Bellum to join me today. Hi, Tyler. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you here. Do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Thanks, Anita. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, I enjoy really talking about these topics, so thanks for inviting me. Um, so my name is Tyler Ballum. Um, I currently work in the Teaching and Learning Center as an educational developer with my hats involving ePortfolios and work integrated learning. And before that, I had many different jobs in education. I, I worked in the School of Hospitality and Tourism as a communications instructor. Prior to that, I worked with international education. As an English language instructor, um, I've had a long experience with teaching uh, learners from different countries. By last count, I think over 44 countries. Um, and I taught in Asia for close to 10 years. And um, basically my whole career has been around education. And I really enjoy talking about pedagogy and best practices because it's a world that I'm really quite passionate about so much. So that I've decided to do my doctorate in education. So I, I appreciate you uh, inviting me for this interview and I hope that I can add something to the conversation. Thank you, Tyler. I'm so excited to have you here with your years of experience because I know that recently you had the opportunity to provide a learning experience to students that encourage the development of autonomy because that's what I'm talking about today is how, how do we engage students and how do we develop autonomy in students? Do you want to share your experience that you recently had? Mm, it's a great it's a great question and something I'm very passionate about. I think, you know, getting back to the, to the reason why I'm very interested in education is that it builds the capacity to build autonomy. And when I was a university student, some of the class, classes that I truly enjoyed were ones involving choice. And the instructors or professors would en enable me to like say, well, what would you like to do? And I would start to explore those kind of ideas that I was interested in. So then it built more um, motivation for me to, to do that. And I obviously got better grades because of it. So I'm like, that was right. my kind of background to it. So then fast forwarding into being an instructor and professor, I thought, well, of course, I mean, if I can build choice within my students and give them some, um, some say in their learning and choice in their learning that they'll become more motivated because of it. I've seen it time and time again that they, they do become more invested and care more when they are kind of um, a co-participant. And maybe autonomy is not the, maybe it's the objective, but it's still, as the instructor, you're kind of building autonomy, right? You're not totally outside of it, you still have to be intentional in designing it. So um, 
so my recent experience at another institution where I was working was I went on a deep dive into autonomy. Even at the beginning, I'd said to the students, okay, here are our outcomes. You know, um, if I were truly revolutionary, we'd co-build our outcomes together, but I'm, I won't get there. So we had some outcomes to, to work with. And, and then I said, okay, here are the assessments. The assessments had choices built within them. The students can choose however they wanted to get to that assessment, whether it was doing a literature review or a presentation, they could do it any way they liked. You know, they had choices on the topics they wanted to discover and also how they were to, to engage in those forms of assessment. So they had choice along the way and I would help them with that. They would just come to me and say, well, how does this work? I'm like, great, let's do it. And at the very end, you know, what the, the most kind of revolutionary thing I did is I said, I'm not going to, we're going to grade ourselves together, basically. You are going to give yourself a grade for all of the work that you've done, right? But I said that at the very beginning too. So I said, it. I, that's a key point is at the very beginning, I said, uh, you are going to be grading yourself through self-assessment, through the projects that we're working along. And at the end, we're going to discuss them together. So I did it. And what was, I mean, it was a revolutionary thing for me. It was an eye-opening thing for me because the students were honest with themselves. That was the one, that's the one thing that I think instructors, including myself, to be honest, were hesitant about doing is creating so much autonomy that they're, they're all gonna give themselves A pluses and that's gonna be the end. But when you really kind of respectfully engage the students in these conversations, they were kind of, I would say, accurate. You know, in fact, they were sometimes more critical of their work than, than I would have been. So ultimately then it's reflective on their own learning when they're able to engage in these projects, reflect on them critically about, on the, about their own work, talk with me about it. And we arrived at kind of a final quote unquote grade. Um, it, was a, it was a really kind of powerful moment for me to do that. And I, I think going into it to allow so much autonomy was, was kind of a daunting task for me because I'd never gone that really that far into that world. And I emerged from it learning a lot myself and really validating actually the work you've been doing in terms of talking about autonomy and saying, yes, it can work. I've seen it work. I, I, I did it, right? And so I, I, that was a kind of a story that I'd always wanted. It's, it's a thing I'd always wanted to explore, right? And I was maybe able to do it. And um, I hope that answers your question. I mean, it, it really does. And, and, and you've gone so much deeper than I expected you would. Uh, I just find it so fascinating that you were able to, you know, to surrender the control, because I think a lot of the times when we say autonomy and self-directedness with students, it can, the, the fear to do it is because it can become quite chaotic. It can mm -hmm. feel messy along the way yeah. Yeah. Um, for the instructor, especially, mm -hmm. I think. And I think you, you, you did point out one key aspect um, that I have come across that really um, helps to, to build that autonomy in a good way. And you said that at the very beginning, 
of your experience of your you know recall of the experience was that you had to be very specific right from the start mm -hmm. so students knew exactly yeah. what they were going to be asked to do and mm -hmm. what their journey was going to look like is that correct that's absolutely correct and what i you just triggered something that i when we were going through what needs to be done at the very beginning and how are we going to do it? We even co-created like how we would quote unquote grade. We would create our own kind of rubrics for each assignment. We would create the due dates, which I'd never done before too. I, we kind of sat down and said, well, okay, what's a feasible timeline to get all of this done? And we respect, and the key word is respect. You're giving respect to the learners, right? And, and engaging them as, not just as students, but co-learners really, because you're learning yes. too. And they're saying, okay, well, this, so we worked on it together. We, we worked on the assessment, how we would be graded, when everything would be due. And we all signed off. We said, this is the plan moving forward. And it, it worked. So, so, so with, with that agreement on the due date, what I'm curious about, because as an instructor, I know that some of my students often will struggle with the due date and then you know you give the extension and sometimes that can be sort of you know a, a tricky thing to do because yep. you give the extension knowing that there will be other assignments due around the same time kind of thing right. so what was your experience in your students being able to stick to that due date did you have a lot of students coming to you saying oh i can't make it can you give me an extension i had one or two maybe but What's interesting about that project is that they have created their own work, right? And they created their own due dates and they created their own um, parameters for it. So it wasn't like it's on me, it was us together, right? And so they took responsibility, I guess. They took responsibility, again, getting back to autonomy uh, on their own learning saying, okay, I didn't get to it. It's not on you as the instructor it's on both of us right i mean so it was it was kind of a collegial conversation you'd say why and they'd say okay i couldn't get to it i can do it here and i'd say okay we'll make it we'll make it work but they would acknowledge that it wasn't it was kind of on them for maybe for whatever reason not being able to get yeah. to it and and that's truly respectful learning you know when you're mm -hmm. able to to have those conversations. So all the, although these dates were set in stone, they weren't set in stone, I should say. They were, they were kind of malleable, but able to work within what we're trying to achieve and also have the students take some ownership in, in yes. things that they've done or, or hadn't done. So um, yeah, the due date thing was, was an interesting thing that I hadn't expected actually going into the class. I had some dates and then I just realized, okay, no, maybe I should involve them in the process. And they, they took the ball and they ran with it. And it, and it for the most part, 95% worked. So nice. that that's was, so yeah. amazing. What was the feedback that you got from students after, you know, the course was done? Did you, did you receive any feedback? Did you, uh, you know? I did, I've, I received some feedback in terms of my role you know, because it was so self-directed and autonomous that, that I think, you know, if, if I were to do it again, I would involve myself in certain areas more where I was needed, if that makes any sense. And 
because I probably went down that deeply autonomous route that I was there the whole time teaching the whole time but mm. where I where I should go in actually is something that I realized based on the feedback that I would be needed at key points right right and and that's one takeaway um in terms of of feedback what was interesting at the very beginning is that I said, okay, we're going to do it this way for the class. And I was expecting a, a class of just shock that no teacher had given them this much autonomy. But many of them turned to me and say, well, that's what we've done before. And many of them had grown up, actually. We went into it because it was about education. Many of them told me their history and many of them went through schools that did adopt this kind of liberal autonomous self-directed study. So it wasn't so revolutionary to them, right? It was more revolutionary to me, having been brought up in a traditional kind of educational model, teaching a traditional way that they actually taught me more than maybe I have ever taught them. So to answer your question directly, I think the feedback would be about the content itself. There were certain areas that I think were mm -hmm. sticking points mm -hmm. that maybe I should have gone in and checked a little bit more Mm -hmm. about but um i'm learning too right and you know whenever we are teaching a class be it you know um where we give a lot of autonomy to the students or where we you know stay in a more traditional way there are always lessons to take away at the end and that reflective piece as an instructor as a teacher to to look back and to determine you know this is where i needed to kind of do this next time this is what i will do so um i think overall you you received very positive feedback from your students and as you said you know you you were taught in a traditional way so we often as a comfort as mm -hmm. teachers we go to the same way of teaching right so if we've been taught traditionally, then we are more likely to want to do the same thing because it right. feels comfortable. Right. So having to let go of that traditional way of teaching, and I know, Tyler, you, you have been um, a teacher for two decades and some. Um, I'm sure you've had many opportunities to try different teaching styles. But um, when you're thinking about sort of the more traditional way, was it a bit scary to let go of that in the oh, beginning? Very, very much so. I think you're right about, I, I picked this up somewhere along the way through my, my teaching journey and career where I read somewhere or was told something like, teachers tend to teach the way we were taught, right? That's the default. And that's so deeply embedded within our psyche, right? That it's hard to deconstruct that and move away from that. It's actually physically and mentally very taxing to like walk away from, not walk away, but stand to the side and let the students kind of be more, you know, autonomous in their learning and take more control in, in, in the way this is going to play out. Mm -hmm. So, Yes, to answer your question, it, it wasn't easy. And I was worried. I was actually very worried going into it. I knew I knew it could work. And I know it had worked, you know, but I'd never myself actually taken the leap of faith to go down that route and, and do it. So I am happy I've done it, you know, but to I had experimented in the past with it in like small 
projects. And I had actually had students come to me from traditional educational backgrounds and say, you're the teacher. You're the one that's supposed to be doing this. When I tried to build some self-reflective pieces and in, in, in analyzing about their learning. And I'm like, okay. So that was a bit of a warning shot that I'd received, you know, like, okay, not all the students are, even the students aren't ready sometimes for that kind of level of autonomy that's placed on their learning. So, so going into that experiment that I, I did at this club, I conducted with this class that I had that lingering in the back of my mind, like, would they, you know, what expectations do they have on the teacher? Uh, maybe not jump into it right in the first semester, you know, yeah. of their of yeah. their experience of schooling, right. Right. Um, but maybe work your way up to it kind of way. Well, it's an interesting point. And I think that at least in the K-12 system in British Columbia, I know that the current new curriculum really does foreground those critical thinking, self-directed, autonomous kind of skills being built within the K-12 system, which is quite different from when I went through K to 12 many, many years ago now. And I'm wondering how that would translate into post-secondary now. Like I, I think if instructors, and this is just my own personal experience, start doing more in post-secondary of this self-directed kind of autonomous learning model, the students won't recoil, you know, the ones that go through the K to 12. I think they they be familiar with that language and they'll understand what, what the point of it is. However, the one uh, obstacle I had faced with the student who told me you're the teacher, you know, is was actually an international student. So this student had grown up in a traditional kind of very structured traditional educational model in this country that this level of autonomy is just not, is a total foreign concept, mm -hmm. right? And it may have been too much of a, a stretch to really go that far. So I think under, you're right, understanding the student dynamic, you know, understanding where the students are coming from, their background, like, for example, if they do go through K to 12 here in British Columbia, it wouldn't be such a stretch to really implement those kinds of modes of autonomy or assessment. But if it, they're coming directly from a country that has a very traditional model, mm -hmm. you may want to be cognizant of that and aware of that because it's, it's not an easy um, switch to turn on or off, right? I mean, those are big, big shifts. So it's not only it's yeah it's not only for me as an instructor it's the student as well so yes. i hope i answered your question there I yes you did yes yeah. you did and i have one final one with all the lessons learned and what we've just discussed would you do it again absolutely i do it again i think i think it was a truly it was you know you know you've been a teacher for a long time and you have highs and you have lows right and you kind of reflect on what were the highs, what were the lows, why, you know, this is definitely a high point, you know, which was coming at a good point in my life because I kind of reached a little bit of a low and then I'm now rejuvenated and, and I'm kind of back to thinking, okay, it's, a, it's just an exciting way of doing it, right? It, it really, as a teacher, you really enjoy watching the students take ownership and autonomy and, and, enjoying what they're doing and what they're learning right because that 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 makes your job a lot more enjoyable and fun in the end and it's just this infectious kind of kind of culture that's built within the class and it is a building of a culture right within that that that, that autonomous learning model and that 
I would definitely do it again. We're just continually learning. And I think that I'd arrived to this point now where I'm happy that I tried it and am willing like to answer, answer your question and willing to try it again. Fantastic. I, I love hearing that, that, you know, once you've jumped that you're willing to jump again. Um, and you know that I am doing a series of podcasts around intrinsic motivation. We talked about autonomy today. Um, the next time, my next podcast will be about competence, which is the, the other psychological need in order to build intrinsic motivation. And maybe you'll be willing to come back and dissect your experience with the lens of competence. Sure. And what your students experience in that way. Thank you so much for for taking the time to share your experience with us and to share your wisdom, wisdom and your um, your many thoughts around, you know, what to look out for and what worked and what didn't work quite as well. And I look right. forward to next time. Thank you, Anita. I, I hope that I, I helped. I hope that I was able to share something that may have perks some interest in in somebody out there so thank you for inviting me thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode and remember the words of a celebrated colleague teach less so they can learn more music for this podcast was created by alex make music and was supplied by pixabay.com